You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today on this day in history, we're just continuing on with the Matt LaFleur stuff because obviously that was massive news. There's basically three days of Matt LaFleur uh, podcast. This is sort of an extension, and then day three was commentary on his interview. I think, however... There is an episode from two years ago, January 10th, so we might uh, go that route just to kind of mix it up or whatever. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, that's what today is. So if you want to hear more on my thoughts as I dove a little bit deeper into Matt LaFleur, obviously I became much more positive because that's part of what I have to do because they decided this is the right decision, which means every negative thing that I thought is probably wrong and I need to figure out what I got wrong. And I found some stuff, so... Anyways, we'll take a break if there's any ads. If not, then uh, we'll just get straight into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So today is another Le Fleur day. Um, I don't really know how to be more specific than that. It's just a mishmash of things. It's not, you know, there's a lot of very specific deep dive type stuff I want to do. I just, I don't have it all right now. There's so many just... I don't know, random little tidbits that are just hanging out there and random thoughts that are popping into my head and other thoughts that people are shooting out from, you know, local and national and I I don't know. So I I just want to just kind of hit point by point, I guess. So I don't necessarily know what order is best to go in, but it seems like when this initially came out, it was very, very positive, and maybe it's just because I mostly saw local reactions, and I know a lot of local people were high on, on uh, Lafleur to begin with, but uh, everybody, it seems like, took a good look at it and kind of came to similar conclusions that I did. Uh, very, very good resume, very good reputation, but really terrible stint in Tennessee. Most recently, as in yesterday, second half of yesterday... I started seeing a flood of negativity, mostly from the national media. Some people I respect, some people that are a joke, i.e. Skip Bayless. And I think a lot of the people just kind of came to that 
sort of lesser conclusion, my initial conclusion, which is if you don't take a deep look, what is it? You went out and got a guy because he worked with McVeigh and blah, blah, blah. You think that's something special. But then he goes and he gets his first job and he's actually the play caller for the first time ever. And what happened? He's trash, right? That was my initial reaction to this whole thing. But again, I think if you actually go watch that team, there's nothing wrong with the play calls or the scheme. It was the execution. And you also had a hurt quarterback, right? They were basically a playoff team. They got eliminated from the playoffs when Blaine Gabbard couldn't get the job done. Blaine Gabbard is maybe the worst quarterback in the NFL. Always has been. He's garbage. I think he had a little stint in San Francisco where occasionally it was like, oh, I can kind of see why some people like him. But he's not good. And Delaney and the, the whole nine yards, right? I mean, when, when people are saying the best person, the best player on your team is Derrick Henry, and that's not necessarily a shot against him. I like Derrick Henry. I actually said I liked him more than Ezekiel Elliott when he came out. What up, dance party? Yeah, I said it. I really didn't like Ezekiel Elliott, and I don't like him anymore now. It's a big part of the reason I don't like the current Cowboys. I got over the whole 90s Cowboys. I'm not bitter about that anymore. I don't care. We them boys. Yeah, you them boys. Cool, man. So what? Who cares? You haven't won a game in 48 years. I don't care. Something about them now, though. Maybe it's just because they're winning again. It's like, eh, no, I, I don't like you now. But, yeah, and and, and you saw LaFleur change the way that they, that they played football to the extent that they actually ran the ball more than they threw the ball in Tennessee. Throwing the ball just wasn't really working. I mean, he wants to stress running the ball and all that, and that's cool. But when it gets to that point, you're going to have a hard time winning games. But I think a lot of the objections beyond that are also a little ridiculous. Again, we're bringing him in because he, at this point in time, see, I I think maybe I just have a different opinion on this than some people do. A lot of people are saying it's kind of ridiculous to just go out and get the next McVeigh. I I don't know that it's McVeigh even necessarily, even though, yeah, he's... He's a good guy. He's got a good personality. He the, the players liked playing for McVay, and supposedly that's the same thing with Lafleur. He's he's kind of a, a he cares about his people, which is kind of probably why Green Bay liked him because he's got that same kind of I care about my people deeply kind of mentality. My players, right? I, I care about them as people. But beyond that, I, I'm having a hard time even thinking where to start because it's just it's just so ridiculous to me. The idea seems to be that McVeigh is a special kind of coach, but you can't just grab anybody that's like that. And that's true. There's other things to be in a head coach. However, I think the reason McVeigh's scheme works, and it's not just McVeigh, by the way, but let's just say McVeigh, is because that's how you play modern NFL defenses. It's the next thing. It, 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 as I've talked about several times, there's there's action and reaction, and then reaction, and then re-reaction, and re-reaction, and re-reaction. This is what always happens. The NFL evolves, and it keeps evolving, and it's why it's important to get a guy that can continue to evolve. But in the meantime, you need to be up to snuff. You need to be running what everybody else is running. That's true for the offense. That's true for the defense. You've got to be up to speed. Mike McCarthy's offense, defense is figured out. You can't run that anymore. It's too easy to defend. That's what NF- modern NFL defenses are set up to beat. The current modern NFL offenses, for example, you look at the the trend in getting faster linebackers. You know how you counteract really fast linebackers? You do it with all this motion stuff. You get these really fast guys going really fast in the wrong direction, then they're way out of position, and you beat them. 
This is just an adaptation and a reaction to what NFL defenses are doing, and they figured out how to beat it. That's why it doesn't just work with the Rams. It works with the Rams. It works with the 49ers. It works with the Bears. It works with everywhere you want to do it. It works with the Chiefs. It's not so much the coach. And that's the other thing that annoys me. People are saying, oh, NFL teams, this is the problem with the NFL. I think Tom Silverstein said this too. I'm not really sure, but it's, this is the problem with the NFL. Everybody just wants to keep up with the Joneses. Everybody just sees success in, in, with the Rams and they want to do it. Okay, I know the well's going to dry up at some point. Because again, you've got to make sure that he's actually a head coach candidate and not just an offensive-minded person. That's true. He's got to be able to do other stuff. He's got to be able to handle a room, handle a locker room, be able to stand up to his players, blah, 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 blah. As far as the scheme, though, yeah, go get that guy for sure, or at least that offensive coordinator. And here's the other thing. You tell me when it doesn't work. Should the Bears, were the Bears being dumb? Oh, here we go. You just want to go out and get the young guy that's in the scheme and blah, blah, blah. What about Shanahan? Oh, here we go. You get the young guy with the ski, blah, blah, blah. No, it's it was the right decision, though. It's That's the funny thing about this. Everybody's like, oh, look at it. Look at the recent hires. Look at all these guys that are getting hired and all the, the you know, this is just keeping up with the Joneses stuff. No, this is this is called doing what works. Let's just take a look at some of the more recent hires and see what works and what doesn't. For all these brilliant people who are who are saying maybe you should just look for good coaches instead of trying to get the new young cool thing. All right. Well, the uh, Tennessee Titans hired Mike Vrabel, defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. Now I've kind of given the the Lafleur a pass, so maybe I have to give Vrabel a pass. But do you think they're going to be a good team? I don't. I mean they've they've got a good defense, so maybe it will work out. But you're kind of looking at it and saying. Is this offense ever going to get around the corner? Is this offense ever going to be anything? Yeah, their defense is studly now that they got Mike Vrabel as a head coach, but are they ever going to be any good? Is that a good hire? Is this what we're looking for? We don't want the Matt Nagy's. We want the, the Mike Vrabel's. They're not in the playoffs, are they? Kyle Shanahan, new, young, offensive-minded guy, blah, 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 blah. Anybody upset about it? Nobody's upset about it. Doug Peterson, Philadelphia Eagles, hired in 2016. You know where he came from? Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's the Andy Reid guy. Comes over to the Eagles, they win a Super Bowl. Anybody upset about that? I don't think so. How about John Gruden to the Oakland Raiders? He's not a young, cool, schemey kind of guy. No, man, he's just a football guy. He knows football. He understands how to how to win football games, how to be a leader, how to talk to people, blah, blah, blah. How's that going on? It's not going very well, is it? How about Pat Shermer for the New York Giants? Came from the Vikings. I, I, I guess I don't know what to think of that. I mean, he's came from a successful offense, but he's not He's not Kansas City Chiefs, Rams. He's not from that tree. That's not that, that cool new offensive scheme. Went to the Giants. It's not working very well. Sean McVay to the Rams, right? At the time, new, young, cool, schemey kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Did it work out? You bet it did. How about Anthony Lynn from the Chargers? That would maybe be the one exception if you want to give him credit. I'm not so sure. I feel like Anthony Lynn is just getting the charge. I mean, if you look at their roster, they're finally just getting back to their current potential, and they can't, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They almost lost to a team that had negative passing yards in the fourth quarter. They cannot, they, they just don't have the discipline. But fine, we'll call that one success. 
Anthony Lynn was an offensive coordinator for the Bills, so obviously he doesn't fit that bill. <laughs> What's up next? How about Doug Marone from for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars? He was an internal candidate. He was uh, came from the Bills, and he goes as the assistant head coach, offensive line coach for the Jaguars, interim head coach, blah, 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 blah. Now he's a head coach. They're trash. Not working. But he's a football guy, and he's, he's, he's a leader, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and they're trash. How about Frank Reich? And, and interestingly enough, one of the guys I listened to yesterday I like very, very much. He's saying, I'm not looking for a McVay. I'm looking for a, for a uh, uh, Frank Reich. Well, okay. I, I'm not sure I fully understand the difference. I mean, Frank Reich is 57, so he's not young. But he was the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator. Philadelphia Eagles, you know, he, he learned from Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson learned from Andy Reid. It's the same coaching tree. It's the same Matt Nagy coaching tree. He brings that over to Indy, and look how good Indy is. So again, you tell me when the well dries up. You tell me why we shouldn't be keep picking from that tree. There's basically two trees right now that are thriving. There's the Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs coaching tree with Matt Nagy, with Doug Peterson, with Frank Reich. And then you've got that Jay Gruden, or uh, not even Jay Gruden, the Mike Shanahan tree that, that brought in, you know, uh, McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and LaFleur. How about Matt Patricia to the Lions? Football guy. Comes from a great program. They understand discipline. They understand all this stuff. We're going to fix the defense. We're going to bring some discipline. Da, 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 da. Terrible hire garbage team. Matt Nagy to the Chicago Bears. Anybody upset about that hire? Of course not. Look how quickly they turned it around in one year. That offense just went, what were they, top five in scoring or something? Ninth in scoring? I don't know. Anybody upset? Oh, you're just trying to get the new young guy. Good thing none of these teams ever listen to these national media morons. There wouldn't be a Matt Nagy. There wouldn't be a Frank Reich. There wouldn't be a Doug Marone. There wouldn't be a Sean McVay. They wouldn't hire... There would just be a ton of John Grudens everywhere. There'd be a bunch of John Grudens running teams into the ground. How about Sean McDermott with the Buffalo Bills? How the Bills doing? He was a defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, went over to Buffalo. How are the Bills doing? Not very good, right? Yeah, you can give all the excuses you want. Well, it's the Bills. What do you expect? Yeah, well, it's the Bears. What do you expect? Oh, that's what you expect? A team that couldn't win a single game hardly? The last several years, they've been trash. They've been a joke. I started this season telling you, watch out for the Bears, and everybody laughed. Week one was a gimme. The Bears were a joke coming into this season. They're not a joke anymore. Matt Nagy, ladies and gentlemen. Did that happen to the Bills? No, it didn't. Because they went and got a defensive coordinator from the Carolina Panthers because they're too smart. They're too enlightened to go out and get these new, young, hip things. I'm not just going to follow the trends. I'm not that guy. I'm smarter than that. Cool, man. Go be smart. We're going to win. You can look at Dirk Cutter, who just, a bunch of coaches that just got fired. Dirk Cutter is one of them. Hired from within for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Didn't work too well, did it? Hired in 2016. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are no good. No, I am very interested to see what Bruce Arians did because what he did in Arizona was incredible. Granted, I think you have somewhat of a drastic drop with the with the Cardinals um, for, for, for several reasons. One, there's a, a change in quarterback which changes things. Beyond that, I think Arians made the team better, whereas the new head coach kind of made him worse. So it was a, you know, was, the, the team is somewhere in the middle. Arians gave him a multiplier, and, and the guy that they have now has just made him a lot worse. But Cutter, did it work? No, it didn't work. Sorry, no good. 
How about Todd Bowles? I mean, this was 2015, so maybe it was before this whole trend started, but Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator out of Arizona. We're not looking for the new young, hip offensive guy. We're looking for the Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator, who, by the way, went back to Tampa Bay and was the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. I mean, so I don't know. We'll have to watch Tampa Bay. We'll see. But it didn't work. Didn't work. Jets are no good. How about uh, the, the Broncos? Vance Joseph was hired in 2017. A mere two years ago, was a defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Why in the world do you want the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins? I don't know. But again, you're being too smart for your own good. Extremely intelligent. Very good football guy. Blah, 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 blah. Team is garbage. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going through the list of every single coach that's been hired in the last, like, three years. It's almost exactly perfect. Everybody that comes from the Andy Reid, Mike Shanahan tree is a success. And it's a small sample size. And again, I acknowledge this well is going to dry up at some point. It can't just go on forever. Beyond that, when the NFL evolves, we're going to find out which of these coaches are really the innovators, the guys that can evolve with the NFL, and which of these guys are just the the implementers. I don't know that this makes LaFleur any good. He might be trash. I have no idea. I'm just saying the idea that teams are dumb for going after young, innovative offensive guys, especially from this Mike Shanahan or Andy Reid tree, the idea that that's a bad idea, that you're just being short-sighted, I think is ridiculous. Let's continue, shall we? There's three more teams. How about Hugh Jackson, hired in 2016? Was the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, he's an offensive-minded guy. I believe he was his late 40s at the time, so still relatively young. But this is a Cincinnati Bengals. This is, this is kind of old-school stuff. So I appreciate the effort, but it didn't really work out too well, did it? despite the massive amount of talent that just flooded into this building year after year after year. I mean, probably more misses than there should have been because the GM they had was garbage. But there's still a lot of talent here, and the team's just no good. So, sorry, that didn't work. Last but not least, how about Steve Wilkes, Arizona Cardinals. He was the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, the second guy to come out of the Carolina as a defensive-minded person. How did that work out? Brand spanking new quarterback. Brand new quarterback with one of the better running backs in the NFL, and you go get a defensive-minded guy, and the offense doesn't know what to do. That was, that was an absolute disaster in Arizona. That was horrible. So again, I, I don't understand the idea that, oh, you should be smarter than that. Smarter than what? It's been, it's, it's been almost 100% failure rate for every coach hired in the last three years that hasn't come out of that, that doesn't come from that modern scheme. Beyond that, every single coach that comes out of that, from Doug Peterson to Kyle Shanahan, has been a success. Frank Reich, he does come from that. The idea that this is a separate thing, that, oh, you shouldn't be looking for Maggie. Are you talking about the Andy Reid tree? Like, enemy is the only guy? Fine, go try be enemy. See what happens. Again, well's going to dry up at some point. But I do think it's silly. I, I think we we should be adapting. And adapting just means be be modern slash maybe looking to the future. Can you innovate? Can you be a guy that says, okay, let's try a new wrinkle that you know I haven't seen before? Nobody's seen before. And that, that'll come with time. But again, just the, the general premise that you're being ridiculous if you're just trying to find the next McVay. No, you're not. I, I think those are the te- those are the teams that are succeeding right now. Not entirely. There's other teams that are succeeding, but that is the future. And teams that are struggling to find success, the ones that are getting turned around, 
the Colts, the Bears, the Rams, the 49ers. I know the 49ers have had issues keeping their quarterbacks healthy. These are the teams doing it, man. Everybody, you know, what's everybody raving about? The Colts. What else is everybody raving about? The Bears. What what has everybody, what else, what else? The Rams and the Chiefs. That's pretty much it as far as team people going nutso over teams. Every single one of those people has that kind of young, innovative system. Not so much young, innovative people. And granted, yeah, I mean, Andy Reid is, is obviously not a young guy, but that's not the point. Andy Reid is an innovator, and he's with the times, and that's what you need. Young helps to some degree because he'll be around a while, I guess. And then also the, the, the personality aspect of it. I, I had listened to... Uh, What's what's that uh, drunk's name? Skip Bayless. Shouldn't be so hard on him for that. Maybe he actually has a problem. I don't know. It's just annoying seeing him do those videos. Like, dude, take the night off, please. But he he goes on to say, essentially, that Aaron Rodgers handpicked a pushover. The idea that you would even say that Aaron Rodgers had input in this shows you don't know anything about anything. I'm really getting kind of sick of the narrative that Aaron Rodgers is out of control. I mean, I, I get it, man. I've been on, I've been doing this every single day. I understand that he's he's not your typical just football player that just does what he's told. But this narrative has gotten wildly out of control. The idea that he actually runs the Green Bay Packers. He decides who comes and who goes. He's the one that got Mike McCarthy fired because he didn't want him there. He gets to dictate every. That's nonsense. It's not true. Aaron Rodgers supposedly wants a lot of free agents, but wasn't getting it. Aaron Rodgers wanted to keep Jordy Nelson. They got rid of him. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get what he wants. Aaron Rodgers, part of the reason he was upset is because there's not input. And I've been saying we should be giving getting input from him. And, and you know, I don't think that'd be the worst thing. But po- apparently the Packers don't agree and say, nope, know your place, bud. You're a football player. I'm a GM. Sorry. That's the division of labor here. So just the general narrative, not just from the, from them, but everybody. We got to get a guy that can control Aaron Rodgers. Like, dude, calm down, calm down. It was a bad year. I get that, and yeah, he was not. He was frustrated because he likes to win, and that's why I've said winning solves everything. If this team is winning, everything's fixed. But here's an additional thought that I had in terms of why it's ridiculous that Aaron Rodgers and this guy won't get along. First of all, the idea. I mean, maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers is just a, a psychopath, and he just. He's angry and he's grumpy and he's so prideful and arrogant and he's just a complete piece of garbage and he's just going to judge everybody that walks in the door. I don't know you. You're not sitting at the cool kids table. Get out of my face. I don't know. Maybe he is that guy. From what I can see, he seems to be a pretty decent person. Right? I know he does a lot of charity work. He seems to be really care about people. You know, you see hear the story about him when he just like walked with a family the one day down in like Chicago. A kid was all starstruck or whatever. A kid was with his mom, and he just, like, walked and talked with him for a little bit. I think he even caught up with him later and, like, walked. I mean, it's just, he just seems like a normal person. I don't see the whole Hollywood. And, and what is he really doing that's so horrible? Is he going out to clubs with, like, guns and stuff? Is he is he getting allegations of being in a shooting? Is he beating Danica? Is he beating his kids? Is he beating his dogs? Is he an alcoholic? Is he a drug addict? I mean, what what is, what is so horrible about Aaron Rodgers that all of a sudden the national media has decided this guy is just out of control? And what you need is somebody like, you know, you need a Bill Belichick guy to come in here and just get in his face and just just punch him right in the face. And first of all, that's not going to solve anything. Second of all, calm down. But let me just tell you why I think this is actually a pretty good fit. First of all, because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that crazy. But I think we misunderstand why the... Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers thing didn't work out. 
So step number one here, I don't think LaFleur is a hard guy to get along with. What up, dance party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see that. Go watch him do interviews and stuff. Very, very calm, cool, collected. But in no way has anybody ever alluded to him being a pushover. He's very strong-minded. This is what it's going to be, all that stuff. But I loved hearing from McVeigh. He cares about his people. I think that's important. He's not going to come in and be prideful and say, this is my way, this is, this is it. But yet at the same time, you heard, or maybe you didn't, he pushed back on Vrabel, right? Vrabel's trying to do stuff, and, and he's kind of stepped up and like, dude, I'm sorry. This is my offense. That's not what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Now, I, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't do that like in front of everybody to his face or whatever. You don't want to do that to a head coach. But there were reports that that's what he was doing. He's pushing back, saying, nope, sorry, my offense. So he is hard. But he seems like just a calm, cool, collected guy. I also think the age thing is actually beneficial. Some people, oh, how's he going to like taking orders from a young guy? I, I think it's nice that you don't have a generational gap. You don't have the sort of, back in my day, you didn't have quarterbacks talking back to coaches. We used to smack you in the mouth. And you said, thank you. There's none of that. Right? It's just, it, it's it's almost like creative expression between a quarterback and a young, innovative head coach. And they can kind of be peers in a way I mean there's still the division of labor but it's it's he's a teacher but he's also you know he's listening to a guy Aaron Rodgers who's extremely intelligent as well and they can interact on a a a level that is maybe different than a you know 35 year old Rodgers and a 65 year old head coach he seems more intellectual than emotional right just calm cool collected he's a he's a he just wants to go into the lab and, and draw up some cool x's and o's part two I think part of the problem with Rodgers and McCarthy is the fact that Rodgers knew the offense as well, maybe better than McCarthy did. And it was so simple for Aaron Rodgers that he didn't have to spend time being a quarterback. He could he could be he he knew everything. He knew what was supposed to happen. He knew everything inside out, upside down, backwards. It was boring for him. Meaning when somebody calls in a play, before the play even call, comes in, He's able to diagnose the situation, the down and distance. He's looking at the defense. A call comes in. He already knows what the call should be. He understands the philosophy. He understands the mentality. He understands what works and what doesn't work because he's running this scheme for I don't know how many years. So, yeah, you get a guy that's like, okay, this is what we should probably do. You get a garbage call from Mike McCarthy, and he's like, no, we're not doing that. I think if you challenge him and keep him focused on the play at hand, for example, let's say Lafleur comes in and changes the playbook and makes it more creative and makes it a little more difficult. Not only does he not understand the plays, maybe there's some tweak in the terminology, but now you're really exercising Aaron Rodgers' abilities, and now he has to focus on the play more than he has to focus on the, the situational stuff. In other words, by creating this more complex thing, he has to dedicate more of his brain power to what's immediately in front of him and less about situational football, which is the head coach's job. He didn't have to do that with Mike McCarthy because he, he the play was just, you know, like I'm talking to you now. It was just basic communication. Complicate things, stimulate him, keep him excited, keep him motivated. And, 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 and by bringing something new, as long as LaFleur can come in and say, trust me, and as long as things are working, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to worry about, is this the right call? Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing and I know why. You haven't learned it yet. You just don't worry about it. Let me figure it out. I'll explain it to you after. We'll talk about why we did what we did. Because you don't understand fundamentally what the philosophy is here in Green Bay anymore. You're not that guy. I'm that guy. I'm the only guy in this building. 
well, aside from the offensive coordinator, which we'll talk about in, in further depth, but two points. One, apparently he's looking for somebody that understands his offense and his scheme, which is good, right? Somebody that he's worked with in the past. So that's kind of an area we can start looking, which is, as I said, it's good because it's be nice to have somebody else that understands what we're trying to do here. Right, it's, a, it's the, one of the bad things about getting we're getting a new guy at work pretty soon. One of the bad things about getting a new guy is before it gets better, it gets worse because you got to dedicate all your time to training this person. Get somebody in here who kind of understands this already. Good to go. But it, it sort of creates a natural barrier as opposed to just standing your ground and saying, "Don't you dare change my plays." That's not going to work. Change things up. And make it, first of all, you got to build trust. If, if he trusts you to call the right play at the right time, and of course he's going to give some leeway. It's not like, oh, that didn't work. I hate you now. Forever. We should have called this old play like we do with Mike McCarthy. It works every time. You don't know what you're doing. But again, by, by complicating it for Aaron Rodgers and forcing him to focus on being a quarterback and trying to think of this because he's never done this kind of stuff. And making sure everybody else understands and making sure everybody's lined up in the right place, which means he has to know where everybody's supposed to line up. So he has to relearn stuff. He doesn't have time to be trying to diagnose and decide if this is the right play or the wrong play. Again, it's a natural barrier. I think it works. I think it makes sense. And again, their relationship is going to depend on success. You know, if, if the team is successful, they're going to be best friends. If the team is not successful, might be a little rocky. I don't know. Depends how Aaron Rodgers decides to handle it because he's sticking around for a while. A couple other little tidbits... I don't know how to make this flow nicely, so it's just going to be kind of random thoughts here. Um, the first one is I, I kind of want to spend a little bit more time watching the Falcons. Um, if for no other reason, then it seems kind of like maybe that would be the way we would go. Just because the the idea is LaFleur likes to tailor things based on the offense, which is exactly what a coach should do. And if you look at teams and the way that the offenses are built... Um, I don't know, it just kind of feels like Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons maybe would be a little bit more the speed. The question is, though, that was, you know, we're talking, what, 2016. So now we're, we're three years into the future. And just watching a little bit of the Falcons, it doesn't feel like what we saw with the Titans. And it, maybe it'll be somewhere in between, but I, I don't know. It, it's kind of got me wondering, is it possible he's going to tailor this in a way that is maybe nothing like what we see with the Titans, and I guess I don't necessarily think that would be the case. But it's interesting. I'm definitely interested in, in seeing what it looks like and hearing from him and some other people about what, what we plan on seeing and doing. Because the Falcons ran a lot of similar concepts, you know, route concepts and, you know, zone running scheme and all that stuff. But it wasn't nearly as flashy. There wasn't nearly as much motion. There wasn't the zone read type stuff because they didn't have a mobile quarterback. You know, he's probably not going to keep the ball and run it, although he did on occasion. Know, option passes and all this different stuff it looked a little more just like a normal offense and that was a Kyle Shanahan offense at the time which is you know we talk about Sean McVay all the time if you actually ask LeFleur who his biggest influence is it's Kyle Shanahan so maybe another team to watch if you wanted to go down that road would be the San Francisco 49ers to see what kind of things they're doing which actually maybe I'll do that right now I got a little bit extra time I got an early start here I'll be back yeah, so just a cursory look at the um, San Francisco 49ers. It definitely doesn't look like the Titans of 2018. So we'll have to see. I don't know. I guess my assumption was that it was just automatically going to be Titans offense, but we got to see what he decides to do with the Packers offense and what they have. There could be a couple little wrinkles, maybe not as crazy as the Titans. We don't know. But ultimately, that's a good thing. 
We shouldn't want crazy for the sake of crazy. We want an innovative offensive mind who's able to take what the Packers have and make it what it needs to be. Next thought, which players potentially are going to benefit from this? First thing that comes to mind would be a couple tight ends. Um, Kendricks and Mercedes Lewis could actually benefit from this quite a bit. The uh, Kyle Shanahan folks really like to use fullback slash H-backs, and H-backs are essentially like fullback tight end hybrids, which is to say tight ends that sometimes line up as fullbacks and play as fullbacks. It gives you the ability to, it, it just it further complicates things for the defense and making them wonder, how do I defend this player? Do I treat him like a fullback? In which case, you know, if he goes out and runs a route, I could be in trouble. Right? Do I come out in my base assuming this is a run package or is this a, a, a passing package? You don't know because you don't know if this guy's going to go out and run a route or be a blocker. Well, the first person that comes to mind is Mercedes Lewis in that regard because, you know, especially not just that, but also his run blocking abilities. And maybe he doesn't have it anymore. I don't know. That's going to be up for the Green Bay Packers, for Gutekunst to evaluate his players, for Lafleur to kind of, you know, maybe interact with him and kind of give his assessment of the situation and if he can use him in that system. But I think it's fair to say he wasn't utilized properly under Mike McCarthy. He could just be washed up. I don't know. But if he is used largely as a run blocker, he could be a really big asset for this team. Kendricks also could be utilized in this way. Maybe he's not quite as good of a blocker, but he was used as an H-back when he went to Madison. They actually had a play called an H-around. Essentially, it's an end-around using their H-back. So he, he kind of lined up in the fullback position. He did some blocking. He did some trickery with the, the H-around. He ran routes. He did the whole thing. So again, that's going to be up to Lafleur to decide. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys, if not both, ends up sticking around for that reason. So their their stock maybe went up a little bit now that we have a a more run focused guy. You know, he's got to have either a fullback or tight ends that can block or something if you're going to really utilize this run game. Uh, you could say Deshaun Kaiser maybe. I don't know how much he actually worked with Kaiser. That was like a big thing. Like, ooh, he Kaiser redshirted that year. There are some guys out of Notre Dame that he played with or, or worked with, which is kind of interesting, including some guys currently in the NFL, some really good players. And I want to dive into that a little bit more later just to see. I mean, the timing is kind of off because a lot of the guys that were freshmen came out in the draft last year. So that would have been kind of an interesting thing, unless it was like a red shirt thing. So basically, it's just red shirt freshmen that decided uh, to play until their senior year because it's a five-year deal, five years of separation. And beyond that... Guys that got drafted most likely are still under contract, so there's not going to be a lot of free agents, but it'd be worth looking into, guys that played for Notre Dame that year. But um, yeah, I I guess we can say stock up for Kaiser a little bit, just because maybe they work together. Maybe Shanahan has a better understanding of how to utilize Kaiser. Obviously, he was very successful at Notre Dame. So that'll be something interesting to to watch for and see how they interact and how he can kind of utilize Kaiser a little differently. And then finally, I would say Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I really do think both of these guys are going to have a big role. Um, Aaron Jones, obviously a lot of people think he's going to go off, but I do think part of the reason he didn't play as much is because of his, the injury concerns. And so I think there could be a a good amount of that. One of the things that, if you remember, I was talking about this early in the season, Matt Nagy went to, uh, one of the things he really, really stressed, stressed, stressed to Jordan Howard is you need to be a receiving back. We need you to be better at catching the football so he put him on the jugs machine like all day every day that was his thing you have to learn how to catch you have to learn how to run routes 
I think Aaron Jones, and when he left, he did make a statement, I need to work on that. But I think that's going to be something that LaFleur is going to really want as well because you've got essentially Jamal, who can be your, your pounder. And Aaron is, is a good slasher, but if you can also add into his repertoire a really good receiving back, which I know some people think Jamal and Aaron Jones are both good receiving backs. Neither of them are. I don't know why that's a thing. Yes, I've seen them catch passes. It's so funny whenever I say they're not good receiving backs, and then they'll show like a highlight of them catching a pass. It's like, that's your evidence that he's a good receiving back because he caught... Every single running back in the NFL has caught a pass. Who cares? But I think you could see some some dual stuff, you know, like like they had in Atlanta with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. It was a great duo. Um, and, and, you know, in Tennessee, they had a lot of two-back sets. We could see some of that stuff going on. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting, but I definitely think the there's a stock up there. And it also is going to put an emphasis on getting more running back. I don't know what the status of Capri Bibbs is, if they're going to keep him. I know he was, I mean, you think how far down the line you have to be when you're the 19th running back that we've added to the roster. I have to think, not not a high priority as far as like first, second, third, fourth round pick, but we need some bodies, whether it's a cheap free agent that kind of adds a dimension that we need or whatever. I, I don't want to go into the season with two running backs. I don't think anybody wants to go into the season with two running backs. So there needs to be some addition in there somewhere. But either way, um, it's going to be really good for for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And beyond that, like I've said before, how they really stress running the football and how great that is. I mean, I I was really talking a lot about Kyle Shanahan and how much it would be nice to have a guy like Kyle Shanahan as the coach just because of his, you know, not that running the ball is the most important thing. Obviously, McCarthy's right that you need to stress passing more. But just the fact that Kyle Shanahan really stressed it and it was like next man up, everybody that came in was just dominant because they stressed it so much. And it, I'm just saying it would be nice if that happened in Green Bay. Well, we've got a Kyle Shanahan um, you know, trainee, I guess. I don't know. guy that worked under Kyle for a long time. So there's going to be a lot of those elements in there as well. Uh, two last little thoughts. Uh, one is I was kind of looking at different things that uh, Lafleur does. It was an article written when he was hired as the offensive coordinator for the Titans, looking at some of the different things that have been done in Atlanta and different things with the Rams and different things with different teams that he's worked for. And one of the cool little routes that they ran that I really liked, they called it a choice route, which essentially is just just picture the wide receiver screen. When when you throw the ball and Devontae catches it, what does he do? He stops for a second, and then he kind of does a little wiggle, and he tries to get past him. And usually he does, like 99% of the time, right? He gets past that first guy, and he gets a few extra yards. It's essentially that, but it's prior to the ball being thrown. That's the route. So he'll run up to the cornerback, and then he has an option to go left or to go right. And it's up to him to basically just shake and bake the guy. And as soon as he comes out of his break, ideally he's going to be open, the quarterback hits him for a pass. I like that because if you think about Devontae and how good of a route runner he is, if you just give him that choice and say, you know what, just beat the guy. Either go left, go right, whatever it takes, shake him and get open. And then the pass will be coming to you. Rather than a predefined route, that, you know, sometimes the corner's just playing it right. There's not much you can do. If you give it to Devontae to let him choose, as good of a route runner as he is, essentially let him choose, not choose his route, because the quarterback has to kind of know what you're doing, but you're either going to do it to the left or do it to the right. I think that's something that that Devontae could really thrive with, especially if it's one-on-one. If it's double coverage, you're going to have kind of a hard time running that route. But if, it's, if he's getting one-on-one coverage, that's something he could do really well. Now, Here's the thing. How do you get Devontae in one-on-one if we don't have any additional wide receivers? Could be a little bit tricky. Not trying to say Antonio Brown has to be the guy, but getting a solid number two that they actually have to worry about, 
no disrespect to, you know, Geronimo and Marquez and all these guys, but I would have no problem as a defensive coordinator saying we're just going to double Devontae all day. Maybe it'll hurt me. I don't know. I mean, some other guys that should be helped by this system would be quarterback Aaron Rodgers and all the wide receivers because, you know, a lot of this is scheme dependent, right? It's, it's, the scheme is going to allow you to be open. So Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be Superman and fit it in tight windows and do all this kind of stuff. It's just, there's a guy that's going to be open over here, find out which one it is and then throw it to him. All he has to do is throw an accurate pass. And then for the wide receivers, they should be more wide open than they have been, which should be a benefit to the wide receivers as well. But still, getting a better number two wide receiver could be a pretty big benefit. Uh, finally, the and I want to do this a little bit more in depth, maybe tomorrow. But as far as offensive coordinator, the two things I wanted to point out, one is, and I mentioned it briefly before, he doesn't necessarily have to bring on an offensive coordinator. All signs seem to point that he will. But if you look at Kyle Shanahan, who is his offensive coordinator? He doesn't have one. Bruce Arians, apparently, when he took that Tampa Bay Buccaneers job, I don't think, I think he said he's not bringing on an offensive coordinator. He's going to be his own offensive coordinator. And I guess it kind of makes sense to a point because it depends what your role is going to be. And part of the thing that makes me nervous about having an offensive coordinator is if you pass off those duties to somebody else and then you try to be more, like, coachy, how much of this offense is going to be a Lafleur offense and how much of this offense is going to be this other offensive coordinator guy's offense? It just kind of muddles it a little bit. So, but, uh, you know, he probably does need a little bit of help. And, again, that's why it's important. Rather than having a Joe Philbin, who I think kind of makes sense for, you know, the whole – keeping stability in the organization, I think it would be beneficial to make sure you bring in somebody that's on the same page with you so that if you want to delegate, you don't have to explain, no, 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 Joe, look, man, that's not how we do stuff. Let me do this again. And essentially you're doing his job for him, at least for the first half year. Bring in somebody that knows your process, knows your plays, knows knows how you think, and then just have a general conversation about the direction we want to go and then let your offensive coordinator go. You know, and then you continue to interface and obviously the floor, right? would assume anyways I shouldn't say obviously but I would assume is going to be calling the plays but it's just something to think about he doesn't necessarily have to do that the other thing even though I know apparently there's been articles saying it's not going to happen although what does that matter Bruce Arians retired and then he said he'd only take the Browns job and then all of a sudden he's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Cliff Kingsbury was fired then got an offensive coordinator job then quit that job and now he's the head coach of the Cardinals so articles saying this isn't going to happen don't really mean anything to me anymore but it was interesting because I was looking at it and saying, okay, who would be a good hire for LaFleur? And my first thought was, well, let's go see who Kyle Shanahan has. Maybe you can go poach his offensive coordinator and just kind of look at his tree or whatever. Well, that's when I learned Kyle Shanahan doesn't have an offensive coordinator. I said, all right, so who are some of his coordinators? Well, his wide receiver coordinator or passing game coordinator, which I believe would be sort of his number two, is a guy by the name of Mike LaFleur. Mr. Uh, Mr. Matt LaFleur's brother, his younger brother. Now, I, I, in general, if I had just heard they hired Mike LaFleur, I'd be like, oh, great, this is nepotism. But legitimately, the guy that I was looking for that I thought would be a good fit just happens to be his brother. So if that did happen, which I think there'd be some hesitation, like, I don't know, you shouldn't be hiring your brother. It seems like nepotism doesn't seem like a great way to go about it. If that were to happen, I don't think it would be the worst thing. Mike LaFleur is a Shanahan guy. He comes from that same tree. He's worked under Kyle Shanahan as the passing guy. This would be a, a promotion from pass game coordinator, whatever, to wide receiver, from wide receiver coordinator to offensive coordinator. It just kind of makes sense to me. And obviously these guys are on the same page. They're brothers. 
unless they don't like each other for whatever reason, but I would doubt it. They kind of followed the same path. They, I think they worked together for some time. I just found that kind of interesting. And I, I again, I don't think it would be necessarily a terrible hire. I, I, I don't know that I really like the fact that they're brothers, but let me just put it this way. If he wasn't his brother, he would be on my list of potential offensive coordinators. I don't know if he'd be at the top. I haven't really made the list yet. Again, maybe tomorrow we'll do that. But um, I did find that pretty interesting. I followed a path. I was like, all right, this is the guy I want. Put my finger down on it. It's Mike LaFleur. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, by the way, Mike, I got a little bit of his background here. He he worked with Shanahan in Cleveland in 2014. Obviously, uh, Matt wasn't there with him. But then he goes on to Atlanta to be the wide receivers and tight ends coach for the Atlanta Falcons. So that's when he worked with his brother. When Shanahan went over to coach the 49ers, he poached LaFleur to be his wide receivers coach. So obviously this is somebody Shanahan feels is, you know, somebody that he wants on his staff. You know, again, you don't have to hire guys that you've been with before. They're no good. So if these guys know what they're doing, they understand your system, they get all that stuff, pretty good idea to bring them along with you. So anyways, hopefully they don't hire an offensive coordinator sometime today because I've got a few names, uh, some guys from the Titans, um, one guy in particular that I feel like might kind of make sense. But um, anyways, we'll discuss that, I believe, tomorrow. I never know what we're going to do. But anyways, you folks, enjoy your day. It, oh, what is Today's Wednesday, isn't it? I was going to say it's Tuesday. It's the worst day of the week, but I said that yesterday. It's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's half over. I love when that happens. It's so awesome. I don't love that I love that I lost a day, but I can't help it. I love it. I wish it was like, oh, darn. I wish I had another day. But whatever. I'll work on that. You folks, enjoy your Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Oh, bye-bye.